Ellis Island Casino for the 2023 Steve Sears Summer Tour. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling into the 5 o'clock hour, if you haven't been listening, we're live at Ellis Island, the front yard. Spectacular build-out in front of the property. If uh, you remember Ellis Island from five, six years ago, uh, much different piece of the property. And they've done a great job inside, too, uh, redoing the property. As we mentioned, great food here. Uh, Christina Ellis was just on with us with uh, Anna Marie. They run the place, and they just mentioned new menu here at the front yard. So check that out tonight. Slap! Power Slap is on the big screen. Uh, tomorrow, their big hockey party for VGK, as every time there's a goal scored by the Golden Knights, free shot. So last night was a just a blitzkrieg of shots. Well, it actually worked out well, because they had a bunch in the first period, and you had one in the second period to kind of settle down, and then you got to slow it down a chill bit. for a while. Please, let me slow it down just a little bit. So come on down here. Uh, Steve's here, said uh, and, you know he's following through. You come down, say hi. Buy an entree, get some dinner. We'll get the uh, first beer for you. And they also have a uh, free beer deal. If you wear your VGK gear, you get a free beer on game night. So another game tomorrow, 5 o'clock puck drop for the Knights in Dallas. Last night got real interesting because Dallas got just blown off the ice, and then the players started snapping. That got ugly with Jamie Benn, who's now suspended for two games. Then his excuse today was absurd. Trying to break his fall. He fell on him because he was trying to break his fall with his stick on Mark Stone's neck. And believe me, you, like I like to see the Knights do well. You are not a VGK fan. I am not a stand for anyone on the team. Um, I, would, I would call it if on the side of the Knights – you know, there was some acting or flopping or being overly dramatic. It was a pretty – I mean, would I do it as a hockey player? Yes. <laughs> would I choke someone with my stick on the ice? Of course I would. Yes. But I would also realize afterwards, oops, yeah. probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And there is no excuse. The excuse isn't, well, I was bracing my fall. And then later in the game was great. You – when you break an opponent, right, and then you have the fans throwing popcorn and whatever else they were throwing, and then that was Nick Haig, right? Yeah. Who got into a fight, and Haig's a big guy, and Domi looked like my size. Well, and, I, I and, wouldn't and even call Haig, it a fight. Nick Haig didn't throw any punches. Yeah, and Haig just sat there and laughed at him. Yeah, took, took a bunch of shots. looking down on him and just laughed at him. Took a bunch of shots, didn't punch back, laughed. And then still got the penalty, which makes no sense. And Mark Stone actually went over to the ref like, what are you doing? He didn't, how is that a fight? He didn't punch back. Uh, so, yeah, I think you could pretty much see uh, it, was, it was all frustration on one side and the other side is completely managing their emotions, knowing that they're most likely headed to the final and there's no reason to keep messing with this team. Like, you're done with them. You've, you're pretty much moved on from them. I know it's not over, but it's over. And so why expend more energy on them? In summary, why has this happened? I mean, the, the, the first two games were great games. Overtime, Nightside, I thought, had a little more in the gas tank when it counted the most. Again, I'll point out at the end of game two, was, I, I thought the Eichel, the Eichel action on the tying goal was incredible. Incredible. I, I still, I, I'm watching and I'm like, wait. So you can see him, he's getting, he's getting ahead of steam. He's heading towards center ice. 
He dumps it in. The Stars goalie makes a terrible play by just bumping it to his left. And then Suter doesn't hustle enough. Eichel is on his ass as they get to the glass. He flips it over to what, Barbie? When Suter turned it over without, I mean, Eichel was coming toward him, but he didn't hit him. I think a lot of the hits that they gave them earlier no, but in he the put, game. He, he put the pressure on him. Right, he, but he, got, he went toward him and yeah. made him feel like pressure was coming, even though it wasn't quite there yet. So he panicked and turned it over. And then even worse, then he goes back in front of the net and puck watches yep. and doesn't think that Eichel's capable of making the pass that he made, which very few people are. I don't know why I love that term because it's a pretty simple term, but I don't think I'd heard that before. Just puck watching. Yeah, he was like, puck bro, watching. Get it. Wake up. He was. He was like, oh, puck's over there. And he's probably still feeling frustrated about the turnover and everything else. And I think you would look at it and say, look, the first two games could have gone either way. And they went to overtime, very close, all the way down to the stretch, could have gone either way. And the Knights won them both. And I think we maybe miss, maybe misunderstood or underestimated how much impact it would have that Dallas lost both games. Like, look, nobody objective on the planet, if you have any objectivity at all, would say that the Knights were the better team in game two. Nobody would. The players didn't. The players said, we got crushed. We were dominated. They were the better team. And we still found a way to win, which is kind of what it takes at this stage of a postseason, and an NHL postseason in particular, You've got to win some games when you're not at your best. And they weren't at their best. They didn't play well in game two. And they somehow found a way to win, mostly because of the heroics of Jack Eichel. Not only on that play, but on like three or four shifts leading up to that, he was all over the place. He he decided that he was going to find a way to make sure they didn't lose that game. And so you can give him credit for that. He found a way, made that play. They score, tie it, win it in overtime. And I think you could tell. I, I thought you'd have a huge response from Dallas. It turns out. You did for like 30 seconds on one shift yesterday, and once the Knights scored, it took the wind out. Jamie Benn makes that ridiculous, stupid play, gets kicked out, and then I think the, the Stars still could have salvaged a lot by killing off that five minutes, and they almost did, and they almost got there, and then in the final minute of the power play, they give him a goal, then Audrey gives up another goal right away after it, and by that point, it's 3 nothing, and everything's, everything's zapped from them. There's no more energy. There's no response. We'll see if they have one in game four. It's possible, and you know we'll see if they're able to come through. But I can't envision a scenario. I could even see them winning Game Five. Like I could see them responding somewhat. I, I think the most likely outcome is that the Knights find a way to win Game Four and sweep them, but um, or at the very least win Game Five. But at this point, I, I can't envision any scenario where they win four games in a row. I just can't. I just don't think it's going to happen. What do you make of what's happened in the East? I mean, kind of similar. Um, both, you know, both the first two games went to overtime with with Carolina and Florida. Uh, in that case, it's a little different because I think Carolina is the better team. Uh, but Florida finds a way to win both of those first two games, and then Game Three comes, and there's one spectacular goal scored, and that was it. Nobody else scored anything. That was essentially a tie game as well. So you've had three games that were essentially tie that. Florida won all three by one goal, and it's been a, a razor-thin series. There's no real margin between the teams, but Florida's found a way to win all three. And so um, that's that's a hot goaltender uh, in Bobrovsky, who's incredibly talented, and we've seen him be able to do this before, uh, and a team that is just playing much more cohesively than they were during the season. That, in their case, it's a, a team that had switched coaches – that went away from kind of up-tempo firepower team that they had last year that was very successful in the regular season that didn't work in the postseason. And this year they went much more defensive, 
but they couldn't really figure it out. They never really put it together during the season. They did just enough to make the playoffs, and then they figured out what they were trying to do all year. They kind of finally found uh, what what the you know what the goals of the system were, and it really just clicked. And so this is not the same team. I know it's a low seed, and people are saying, "Wow, it's kind of a miracle run." But um, if you look more closely, you see that this is a team that just kind of clicked and figured out what they were trying to do and what the concepts were. And they've ridden it. They've ridden it all the way here. And uh, you take you take a very hot goaltender like this, and you can do big things. Now I think it'll help if if you know if these series both end early and there's a long wait that could cool him off a little bit and so get him out of his rhythm so i think that'd probably be good for the knights puck is dropping in that game uh, right now carolina and florida odds on that one basically a pick em sitch with uh, 110 on both sides and a uh, not so high total of five and a half uh, the games have been pretty pretty defensive oriented down the stretch here you surprised by that that it's pretty buttoned up hockey with all four teams, uh, no. I mean that's what they that's what they are. I mean Carolina is that's what they've been based on forever. Florida has been trying to do that this year. They just haven't until the playoffs. Uh, we know what the night system is. I mean they brought in Cassidy to do this uh, to have a defensive system. And um, Dallas, we know you know a little bit more open at times with Pete DeBoer, but they've been based on their defense and um, really around Ottinger being spectacular in the regular season and not so much in the postseason. So. Um, it makes sense that it's a little bit lower scoring. Adam Hill, Cofield. We're at Ellis Island today. We're going to be right around the corner tomorrow. Silver Sevens for our regular Thursday spot. If you want to watch hockey at Silver Sevens, it's a great spot. You know that for all VGK games, they got 77 cent beers. That's uh, Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra. We'll be doing the live show 3 to 6 at the Bud Light Sports Bar. We'll have some cool prizes. And if you want to come down and sign up for the A-Play card with our friends at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino, home of Cofield and Company on Thursdays. Cofield and Company is live in the front yard at Ellis Island for the Steve Sears Summer Tour. Come down now and enjoy an Ellis Island beer for just four bucks while you watch the show. Hanging at Ellis Island for the Steve Sears Summer Tour. It's Coalfield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. You get your pops, buddy. You get no, your pops. I, Steve I just Sears love with us. That. Who thought of Steve Sears Summer Tour? Was that you? Because I love that name. It's you. Okay. Yeah, it might have been me. I don't know. I uh, Steve Sears Summer Tour kicking off again for 2024. It's going to be extended. We have a special <laughs> guest. No, it is going to be. You know, I teased a bunch last hour, and people are waiting for some nuggets some details on the summer tour so do we have at least you're going to do two or three stops you uh, think? Uh, okay uh after this I, I have been confirmed that i can do three more shows and i'm going to do all of them bikini tug of war okay. so instead of just one big show we're going to have a qualifying and then the finals and the okay. finals it looks like it's going to be a pay-per-view event at the tropicana pool why the trop uh, because um they're paying the most well but also <laughs> you don't have to mention that part but also because we want to honor the tropicana as one of the oldest properties in town that could be going bye-bye in right a year and that's where years. the oakland a stadium is going to be and right. we should mention and you gave me the details on this so i want you to give the audience who haven't been to the trop in a while i saw some overhead shots of the property right oh, when it's they the were, coolest when, pool when, ever and that's the thing what happened to the pool? Because I, I looked okay. at the pool. I'm like, oh, okay. my God, that thing's okay. gigantic. In, in, in the 90s, it was the first swim-up blackjack, right? And then people forget that a company, Nikki Beach, 
spent tens of millions on it and remodeled it. They have really the coolest pool ever, ever. It is too bad if that's going to get imploded or whatever. And that's what we're going to do it on the beach there, and that will be the finals of Bikini Tug of War, the Steve Sears Summer Tour with Cofield. And, you know, the competition deserves it. <laughs> because we've, we've done we've done Bikini Tug of War in the pool, and the purity of the sport, you know, in the pool, you, the, the grippage is not always what you want. So the best conditions possible are, are the, on a true athlete. beach. For the We're athletes. doing this. That's why we do all this. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it's for we do the it, We do it for the women. I agree. We do I it agree. for the athletes. What? No. Everyone's looking at me right now. <laughs> our guest, Sydney's looking at me like, uh, okay, who's this Okay, so, so our last guest <laughs> has been a great friend forever. I actually met her through J-Rock, who was on earlier, which you guys love him, right? I mean, that you could have interviewed him for two hours, yep. am I right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So Cindy Nanceri and I met uh, at J-Rock's, like, anniversary at the Pendry. They also own the Pendry in San Diego, and there's a nightclub there called... Oxford. Oxford. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so I met Cindy... And, you know, uh, I, I can't remember where uh, she was working then. And then all of a sudden, she called me one day. And she was like, oh, I'm starting this YouTube channel and Bottle Girl Diaries. I thought it was so smart. And, you know, what people don't realize, and I learned this when I was at the Palms, is, th- you know, okay, you're a pretty girl, you're a hot girl. You don't just show up at rehab. They go through weeks of training on how to present a bottle. I mean, if you haven't, you guys probably haven't been to a pool party in a while. But when you go, I mean, they're bringing girls out. What, what, kind, of, what kind of a shot is that? No, I The just, better thing to say is uh, you guys uh, have <laughs> probably been to a pool party, but you probably can't afford the bottles. So tell us about that part because right. we do want to learn about that part. Anyway, what, what I was amazed is is she's like a coach teacher. I can't believe she's – I think she's been doing this over a decade. I mean, why Cindy that uh, in nightlife? But now she teaches girls how to interview, how to go to their pro- – remember in January when it's still cold, you better be in shape, right, Cindy? Because that's when you've got to earn your spot to make thousands of dollars at all these pool parties. Yeah, correct. We actually start prepping for auditions in usually, I'd like to say in October. But the, the the crazy part is, is you have Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those holidays, right? <laughs> and then they bust oh. you and they say, hey, your auditions are the first week in January and you need to be bikini ready. And... Um, you know, it's kind of like the Olympics. It's like the bottle girl Olympics. If you don't know what a bottle service girl is, it's the girl who is servicing you at a nightclub when you when you pay thousands of dollars for a table. So, you know, you don't just get to show up and look pretty and fill out an application. No, you're standing in front of, you know, a table of um, executives and uh, you are in a bikini. It's kind of like American Idol on steroids, <laughs> but for, bo- for bottle girls, right? So it's it's definitely a lifestyle. It comes with a lot of pressure, but it also comes with a lot of perks too, like the money. Yeah. And also, I mean, I can't, I can say I could go into like SDK catch and get a comp dinner, pay 20 bucks to tip and comes with a lot of perks. It is definitely a lifestyle that you get used to and then, and then you're on, and then you're off for several months. I mean, all these girls uh, are going on ski trips. I try to meet them and stuff because I know a few. But I mean, it, it's it's <laughs> no. I'm, I'm just saying, like, I try I mean, to meet a few. No, it, it's like you're a school teacher, but you don't have the money to go on trips. These girls, you know, right. save fifty to hundred grand in a season. I mean, it's unbelievable. And so, so how do people like w- when they find you on? YouTube on Bottle Girl Diaries, at Bottle Girl Diaries, on Instagram, do, do they just want to be coached? Are they out of town and want to move here? Are they girls that have tried and failed? Like, who's your customer? 
everybody. Girls who are new to the industry trying to get in, uh, girls who are moving here from other states, girls who have tried auditions over and over again. I ran a Bottle Girl Boot Camp course last winter, and it was very Wait, successful. wait, wait, back up. Bottle <laughs> Girl Boot Camp needs to be live on ESPN. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> okay, so I ran a Bottle Girl Boot Camp course. It was my first time. I'll be honest, I, I kind of psyched myself out of it. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Let me try this one-on-one -on -one coaching. I only took 10 girls. Um, I charged them 250 a pop, so I made about 3K in the month of December. <laughs> and each week, I, I did a step one. This is week one. This is what your homework is. Get your bikinis ready. Get your spray tans booked. This is week two. Get your resumes done. Get your headshots done. Wait, wait. I, I have so many. Get your spray <laughs> tans booked? Okay, okay yeah. What, I mean, it's just amateur hour here? She knows what she's talking about. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, you don't. When you go in, you're in a bikini. You know, yep. you want to look your best, not only physique-wise, but you know, it's almost like you're in a bikini competition. And the tanner you are, the better you look. The slimmer you look, your abs are etched out. You can. I've had my abs etched in from a spray tan person. <laughs> um, you know, listen, I'm not really. Uh, I've never really had a six pack. I'm. A, I'm kind of a thick fit girl, but you know, I think also to have been able to win people over with personality, charisma, being a great saleswoman and uh, just knowing my products and my knowledge. So um, listen, bottle girls, you don't just stand there and look pretty. We, we go through a lot. We have the, the pressures on us all the time. The eyes are on us all the time. So anybody out there that wants to, you know, get into it, bottle girl diaries on YouTube. But we also talk about the fun stuff, yeah. right? So the crazy stories, which I want to get to, and I cut you off. Say, where can they find it again? Bottle girl diaries on YouTube, bottle okay. girl diaries, and also on Instagram. I actually engage with my viewers on my Instagram. I do have a high following, and they write me all the time, hey, what boot should I order? And I'm I'm there. I have nobody managing it for me. It's just me. So, <laughs> I knew she was going to be a great yeah. interview. Cindy Ninsiri is with us, right? Did I get yeah. it? Okay, yeah. close. Cindy Ninsiri, okay. yeah. Uh, Steve's here, is here. It's Ellis Island. It's a Wednesday. To build on that point, and tell me if I'm wrong, not only do you have to look good, as a bottle girl, there's there is a lot of pressure with the customers you're dealing with because I, I saw some of the bills from EDC, which I'll get to in a second. <laughs> I saw some of the bills yeah. and I was like, "Listen, there's a lot at stake here. You piss off a high roller or really you know highfalutin customer who wants to spend money. I mean, you, you got bosses oh, no. too. Right. I've I've lost players because they've had a bad experience at rehab when I was at the Hard Rock. Like what was the bad what? experience? The Getting into details, they're, they're closed. You can say whatever you want. I mean, they're no, closed. no, it, it's not it, like it, it was names. manager and that, and they were supposed to get. We, we called it Lulu. That was the one uh, cabana up top that had a little private swimming pool. Didn't get him, and he was a half million dollar player. He'd lost three hundred thousand. They had booked, and one of the door guys and the bottle girl took a big tip and put somebody else in the booth. He walked right out, and I lost it. No, yep, he went to work. And on a half million dollar player, I make up to five percent. I make twenty five grand, even if he wins. I was wow. furious. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Big business. It's good. So, but I have, I, but for every player I lost, I gained players because they went and they had somebody like Cindy, had an amazing experience, and forget that they lost. Oh, Steve, this is so much fun, man. When's the next event? You know, so I need them to be on their A game, and the guy forgets that he just lost 40 grand or 50 grand. The most I've ever had someone actually spend, not a comp, was 111,000. Cindy, now that you're on this side of it and you're kind of, you know, tutoring and, and being a mentor, yeah. what is the one thing you wish somebody would have told you when you started? Oh, good question. That's a very good question. I would say you need to come in with your focus. You need to know where 
you, you come from, why you started, what made you want to come here. Because if you're only coming here for just the money and there's like no end game or purpose is why you're here, the city will suck you up. So either you can make Vegas your oyster and network and meet all the people that you need to accordingly to make sure that your future is set up, or you can get caught up in the partying, the drugs, you know, the, I don't know, things that people do that aren't so um, morally right. Sure. You know, their moral compass goes off because they'll do anything for a bag, right? So I would just say if somebody could tell me anything, it would just be to, you know, stay true to your authentic self. Remember why you're here. Make a game plan to get out because I'm in a position right now where, you know, I'm now having to sift my way out and figure, figure it out because there is a shelf life with it. Your looks will fade. I've maintained myself very well, which is what I'm going to teach girls, but your looks will fade. So there's a shelf life with everything. It's kind of like you're an athlete. They'll, You've got to know they'll when fade to quicker if you get caught up, too. Absolutely. <laughs> you can tell. Oh, good point, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, if you live hard. Uh, yeah. A lot of casino hosts get caught up. I mean, I yeah. n never tried cocaine because I, I was afraid I'd like it. You know, seriously. Because you mean, get you get kind of caught in the life of what your players are doing, oh, but you can't absolutely. act like a player. I'm not a librarian. I'm around it all the time. Yep. You know, I just, I, I've never had a Red Bull. I've never had a cup of really? coffee. Yeah, well, you don't goody, goody. Yeah, you're yeah, I'm pretty hyper. You know, coffee's so. delicious, man. Well, I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you some spots. Yeah. <laughs> Get some good coffee. Well, li you know, li very little known fact. It's not publicized, but radio people are kind of crazy. Sports, really? sports radio, and and FM radio people are crazy, and and especially in this town. You can very easily get caught up with, you know, drugs, cocaine, drinking, gambling, womanizing, gambling. Gam the gambling I, I, I'm yeah. around it so much. Yep. I, you know, I'll, I'll go. You're put, desensitized. At this I'll, point. I'll put 500 bucks on the Raiders to go watch the game or something. That's fun, but I'm just, I, I know the math. You know, I just, I just don't gamble much. So I mentioned EDC, and I saw a bill for like 180 thousand dollars, and I think the it was Claus Azul that was one of the high, high liquor. It was like two thousand dollars a bottle, mm -hmm. which is funny because I think. Yeah, it's probably 160 at the store. Um, <laughs> what's what's the craziest bill you've dealt with? And, and is there any is there any point where you're like, oh my God, maybe you guys need to tone it down, or is it just like, hey, if you want to live it up, then you freaking get as many bottles as you want, and you want to pile up a bill 150, 200k or more. God, I actually worked at Jewel Nightclub, and uh, there's this guy that comes in every year in November, and he rents out the private room upstairs. It's called the Blind Tiger. It's really cool and he usually has about 40 to 50 people it's like a corporate event he's having wow. and he's obviously very wealthy and um i think he did a pretty a pretty bill of a uh, 150,000 subtotal and i think by the time the total after he tipped was 180k and uh when yeah. i tell you i'm bringing out six liters bottles that are bigger than me um <laughs> <laughs> my arms are dying the next day but yeah no i never told him to calm down because listen at the end of the day like um as long as he was he was feeling like he trusted me as a waitress he's there to have fun he only comes to vegas like one time so listen i'm gonna let him drive and if that means putting more money in my pocket and giving him an experience a good time then hey you know uh there are waitresses out there that do take advantage of guests that's not me because the way i see it is everybody has a different budget people save up all year to come to vegas they might be you know, only a thousand dollar minimum. They might be ten thousand, or they might be people who can only afford GA and drink tickets. That's okay. You know, either way, like I have the best job in the world. I get to go and get paid to party without the drinking. I look beautiful. Um, does something to your confidence as a woman? It's just different, you know. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of like we're athletes, you know. Like except for we're not a <laughs> we're free agents. We get to go wherever we want. <laughs> you know, the, and that's the one point I always tell guys because they're like, 
I, I don't want to spend $400 on a bottle of Sky Vodka. I know it's 10 bucks. I'm like, dude, you're renting space. Right. You got four dudes. Do you want to wait in line all night? Everybody chip in a couple hundred bucks. Now you get a bottle. You've got a booth. And, I mean, it, it's more fun. It's an experience. It, exactly. Some people like to be in the GA, and they like to be in the cut and in the mix and dancing. And, you know, some people just... I don't know. Like, even my tables be like, I'll be back. I'm going to the dance floor. I'm like, peace out. I'll be right here. I'm not going down there, but. <laughs> <laughs> how, how often do you get the people that live it up and want to be a, a baller for like a couple hours and they're like, oh, you know what? I don't. I, 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 was, I got too drunk. I don't know what this is. I just got a charge back like really? two, two months ago. What? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I didn't order that. And in my mind, I'm like, sir, <laughs> you yeah. signed three different times. You initialed, you even gave me a $2,000 tip, but you didn't order this? I'm so confused. Yeah. But because he has an American Express, they they, they, oh, they really? let him have it back. Yeah, I got a write-up. Yeah. You know that? I got a write-up. Me. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, For his no, buyer's remorse. So, so, some some people like, come to town, and they have their bachelor party, and then they go home and dispute it. Yeah, no, yeah that their happens wives are a lot. pissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot. So it's, it's unbelievable. But uh, you know what, Cindy, do you think, um, I asked J-Rock this question, is like the following DJs and all that, it, has it run its course or is it still just as strong? Like she's at Zook, by the way. Have you ever been there? It's, it's awesome. That, that's at Resorts World where I rep. Do, do you think it's over or still as strong as ever? No, it's definitely still strong. When we were closed down and, and you know, quarantine had us closed, we opened back up. Oh, my gosh. We were so busy. The money was insane. I will say this year has been a little bit of a slow start. I'm assuming because of the recession a little bit, the economy. It's definitely been a slow start this year. But no, I, I don't think that nightlife is going anywhere. Um, I would like to see the hip hop, you know, genre of music come more back in. And Let's I've noticed, go. I've noticed that hip hop and EDM. Preach to the choir. Yeah, yeah. I've noticed yeah. that hip hop <laughs> and EDM. To the guy that's EDM, got the Run DMC shirt on. They're more collaborating. There you go. Yeah, he yeah. knows what's up. Yeah. Uh, but the, the EDM DJs and the, the hip hop artists are more collaborating now because they realize that you can't just have uns, uns, uns all night, right? You got to have like, hey, I'm throwing and making it rain on the floor. That's what people want to dance to and get drunk to at the club. They don't <laughs> See, and I was like, you know, again, I remember that first rehab meeting with Peter Morton and it was going to be a Sunday pool party and you're going to charge $50 for dudes and we're going to give Paris Hilton 40 grand to come in. I'm like, this will never work. And we made half a million dollars that Sunday. It was unbelievable. I was so wrong. And it's not going away because some people don't want to risk at the dice table or the blackjack. That, in the, she made a good point also, and, and J-Rock did. In the 90s at the Hilton, my department was 80%, you guys, of the bottom line. Right. Now it's a third gambling, a third nightlife and restaurants, and a third hotel and conventions. we got to be busy Sunday through Thursday. I was all, you know, when I first started, my department ruled the world. I, I, agree, I agree with you, and I'll tell you why I thought that, though. I'll, I'll say exactly why. Because when it first started and I said, all right, look, people, like, there's all this money to, to be paid. You know, you're going to make all this money on, the, on a Sunday at a pool party, whatever. But these are kids. Like, where are they getting money from? And I was wrong about that. Kids have money. I don't know where, I don't know where it's from. <laughs> Who right. has it? I assume their parents. I have no idea. But that's why I thought it wouldn't work. Because, like, how much can you charge these kids? Well, yeah. turns out they got money somehow. That was wild. Well, I, I asked Cindy earlier, too, at Zook, is it 21-year-olds, 31, 51? And it's everything Everyone. you said, right? We have everyone. You know, in the crowd, it's kind of a younger crowd. Every now and then, sometimes you'll just see couples come in. And mostly our tables, though, are anywhere between the ages of 30 to 40. 
those are probably people who buy then or you know um they're uh, got substantial money and they're pretty steady in their lives right I, you would think yeah. but yeah Gen X, are we? We're, we're moving towards the edge, Steve. I know, we're moving I know, towards the I edge. I know. I can't believe it, man. I can't believe. But it. you I, trend young. You trend young. I trend old. I I've been host thirty eight years. Thirty eight years. Wow. I'm going to be sixty soon, you guys. Don't say that. But I'm still. <laughs> I fighting. can't believe I'm it. I know. That's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell us where uh, best spot to go. Follow your stuff. What your favorite social media is for people who want to follow you. Woo. Okay. Uh, best spot to go in Vegas right now. I mean. I'd have to say Zook Nightclub. We have all the number one DJs. We've got this weekend is Memorial Weekend. We've got oh. Jack Harlow this weekend. What? Okay, we're gonna have we're gonna out. we're gonna end off with Tiesto. Can't go wrong with Mr. Tiesto. That's you know OG. And um, if you want to follow me at inst- on Instagram at I am Cindy and Siri or my Bottle Girl Diaries at Bottle Girl Diaries, you can. Another great page to follow is the Las Vegas uh, Scoop. That's a good one to follow just sometimes to see where to go. And, you know, I, I would just say that uh, Vegas is popping right now. You know, I, people who have real money are going to come regardless of the economy. So, Good job. That was a really good spot. Really yeah, good sure. spot. No, we're going to take a, a quick time out here. Thanks to Cindy. Thanks for having uh, me. Steve will be around. We're going to get to a preview of uh, tomorrow's availability with the OTAs and the Raiders. Could be some interesting news and stories to cover there. It's the Steve Sears Summer Tour, live at Ellis Island Casino Hotel and Brewery with Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas, live at Ellis Island Casino. Back here, Cofield and Company at Ellis Island over on Cobalt. The Steve Sears Summer Tour underway. Big, big day for us, Steve Sears, throughout the program. Many special guests as well. Check out the archives later if you missed anything. Uh, Adam Hill here with Steve Cofield, and it's a big day for the Raiders tomorrow. We've been uh, holding back on talking about it on the air because... We weren't supposed to talk about it, but OTAs tomorrow involving the Raiders. We get to get out there, watch practice, get some time with some of the players. I know Josh McDaniels will speak in the morning as well. A lot of storylines. A lot of storylines to get to. I know uh, a lot of people want to hear from Devontae Adams. A lot of people want to hear from Jimmy G again. What are you guys going to shoot for from Devontae? I only put in a request for Daniel Carlson, and I'm not kidding. Well, isn't... Aren't guys like Devontae Adams going to be available to the entire media, or is it all one on one? No, I think it's no. It's, it's going to be. I think it's going to be uh, pressers tomorrow, and I think they're going to only have three or four players. Uh, and I would imagine Devontae doesn't speak. That, that's just my guess. So we don't know yet. Um, but I said, you know, they said uh, select players, and I said please make one of them Daniel Carlson because I do think the new kickoff rule is pretty wild. I think players are against it. Uh, I think co- you know, special teams coaches, head coaches, I think a lot of people are very, very much against it. And I do think it's an intriguing storyline that is going to be developing over the next couple of weeks leading up to the season. And I don't know if anybody really cares until they watch it. And, you know, I've, I've heard that, you know, I'll, I'll single out uh, Pat McAfee for one, a former uh, punter and kicker in the NFL, who said people don't know how ridiculous this is until they actually watch it. And we've seen it in college the last couple of years. And, look, I think it's ridiculous when I watch it in college. But it's going to be even more silly when you see an NFL player do it. 
and it takes away so much strategy. For those that don't know, you can fair catch it anywhere. Yep. So if a player is sitting at the two-yard line, fair catch it, go to the 25, and every team's going to do it. Now, I mean, in college, your design is to just squib kick it between the the 10 and the goal line, and most teams are not going to return it. They're just going to fair catch it. Yeah. And, you know, better safe than and, sorry. And you and see you, the team start out at 25. You've seen a team like the Raiders. The Raiders have been very, very good at pinning opponents after kickoffs. Um, and in particular, Daniel Carlson has mastered kicking it to, like, the two-yard line in the corner. So you have to catch it. You have to bring it out. And you have a very limited field to work with. And so you see a lot of a lot of teams starting inside their own 25 because the Raiders are so good at that. We saw they even came up with that uh, strategy to use the T in the way that they did, uh, which was very beneficial for them as well. And that's all gone. Like there's no real strategy involved anymore. You just have to kind of kick it and hope a team doesn't fair catch. I, I did hear the, I guess, quote-unquote conspiracy theory that coaches and players are so against this. And for those that weren't following closely, this did essentially fail because coaches and players hate it so much. And Roger Goodell came back to the owners and said, don't care what the players think, don't care what the coaches think, vote yes. Because they're worried about potential lawsuits down the road in terms of continuing to expose guys to kickoff returns. And so they want to get rid of this. So you're going to have not a whole lot of kickoff returns. Now the conspiracy theory that was proposed was that coaches and players hate it so much that they will get together and say, nobody's doing this. Nobody's fair catching. We're making an agreement right now. Don't do it. And then you, uh, you heard, you know, the, the lashback would be maybe they do that for the first four or five weeks, and then there's a team that has a game on a line, and they just go ahead and fair catch it to try to save time and get the ball to the 25, and then all bets are off. So I don't know how teams are going to handle it. I expect everybody to just fair catch all the time, and I think the first time it happens in a game, people will be like, wait, what? That's a thing? Yep. You can just fair catch it wherever you want to now? Yeah. Stupid. It's stupid. What do you think of what the XFL does? They're, it's also dumb. Is it that you don't like it? I think it's dumb. Just, uh, it just, what it are they looks, lined up? Are they lined up 10 yards? They line up five yards apart way down the field. So right. you kick off from back at your own 35 or 40, whatever it is. But the two teams, like the kickoff the, return team and yeah. the kickoff coverage team, line up at like the 30 on the other side of the field, face-to-face, five yards apart. So basically you're encouraging returns, but saying we're not going to have a guy run 50 yards before they have a collision, which I, I don't hate that part of it. But again, it looks... It looks wrong. It looks silly. It looks like a like a Pop Warner game. So I guess if you can get over that part of it, maybe you start to you know discuss that. I just I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And one of the big things that's been brought up is that Roger Goodell and other people in the NFL continue to say, look, concussions happen most on kickoff returns. Serious injuries happen most on kickoff returns. And then the response is, okay, let's. Can we see the study, or can you show us the data? Just trust us. Like, well, why don't you show us the study or the the details, and then I think people will be on your side. I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, look, here's the numbers that back this up. This makes sense. Let's do this." But they won't show those numbers, and they won't cite any surveys or data or anything like that. So you can't just say that this was happened. And I'm, look, I've seen writers write this. I, I saw writers write the story yesterday. Most returns happen, or most injuries happen during kickoff returns. So that's why they're. Where is yeah. the numbers you, on that? Where are you getting that from? Yeah, just Goodell says it, so it's it's true. So I, I think that part needs to be examined a little bit more closely. And, and look, if that's true, then do what you have to do, or get rid of the kickoff. The reason you can't get rid of the kickoff, which I think is what they want to do, is because of onside kicks. But if you 
get rid of the kickoff and then do the, the XFL rule of going forward on fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick, well, that solves that. But then I think you just get rid of kickoffs altogether. Tomorrow at availability for OTAs for the Raiders, is Derek Carr's number going bye-bye? Is that going to be a story? If Aiden O'Connell speaking. Again, we don't know who's going to be out there. If he's out there, I'm sure it's the first question. I haven't followed Saints availability. I watched some videos of Derek Carr working out with the Saints because he's there. Has anyone asked him? Have you I, have seen not seen, I have not seen a response from him. Does it matter? Is it a story? I, I tried to bring it up a couple it, times the last a, couple days. It's a story because I think people the fact, care. I think the fact that it happened so quickly and that uh, Raider Nation, I don't know about split, but there's a lot of Raider Nation that are still pissed off that they moved on from Derek Carr. They feel like Derek Carr was blameless in you know sort of the mediocre record of the Raiders over the years, and then they get rid of him, right? And then they blame that on the new regime, which a lot of it is because of Mark Davis. But they love this guy, and then immediately a rookie gets his number? Yeah, look, I think it's a story because people care, people care about it, right? And we've, we've talked about this before. Like, what, what is written about, what is talked about, what is discussed in media, it's what people are clicking on and viewing and, and talking about. So because people care, because fans are outraged or whatever they are, it becomes a story. I think ordinarily it wouldn't. Look, the number's not retired. He's not a quote-unquote legend, I guess, in that way. He was the quarterback for nine years. And the first quarterback drafted after he leaves decides to take his number. Now, is it a scandal? No. It's, it's, a, it's a noteworthy item. It's, some, it's definitely something to ask. Why did you make this decision? Is this a conscious decision to say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy now. Is that a decision? Oh, by O'Connell? Maybe. Is it O'Connell saying, hey, look, I'm the man. I think it's more in the organization for saying, yes, you can have that But number. it sounds like they, took, they gave him a choice of five numbers, and he picked that one. Well, I gave him a choice of four. Well, there's the ones that are available. There's a 90-man roster. Okay, well, four's not available. I mean, there was, then, there, then you're we really did, We just had down. our nine-year quarterback. you got to take something else. By the way, offer him eight before Josh Jacobs takes it, which, I, by the way, I love that there was actually arguing over Josh Jacobs, that there were people mad that a running back is not wearing a 20 or a 30 number. I think, I think eight's friggin' ridiculous. I think, is it the first eight, to, uh, the first running back to ever have eight in the Raiders organization? Because well, I think been, most of them are quarterbacks, right? right? It's only been two years since you were allowed to have a single team. Uh, that's a good point, yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense. But that was his number in college. It's what he wanted from all along. He just couldn't, it was illegal when he came into the league. Yeah. He wanted eight when he came into the league. He wasn't allowed to have it. Now he is. He wanted to switch last year, but they were going to charge him for all the jerseys that weren't sold. So he oh, had to God. wait a year. That's how, the, that's how it works. So he had to wait a year. But he basically gave notice a year ago that he was going to do this. And now he's doing it. Now, interesting that he's taking a new number without having a contract. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm wondering, is, is there a statement in taking eight at all? No, Like, I mean, like for him, is he trying to make some sort of statement? No, like I said, he announced this a year ago. Oh, uh, you're right. He did, yeah. I mean, he didn't announce it because he didn't officially announce it, but he indicated he was going to change as soon as he could. So this is just, this is just timing. Back to Carr. Derek Carr's career. Is he better than Carmelo Anthony in basketball? No. Like, how big is the gap? Well, I think there's, a, I think there's an easy reason why. And first of all, I do want to point out, uh, somebody just got furious at Josh Dubow for saying uh, Derek Carr was released by the Raiders. Uh, Josh, the AP writer. He was. That's just a fact. Yeah. People are like, why are you characterizing like that? Because he was. That's a factual statement. 
He was released by the Raiders. Yeah, he, he's the one who turned down a trade, right? He was cut. Well, he he wouldn't he wouldn't entertain a trade. Right. He was cut. Yeah. But that's that's not a that's not a controversial thing. It's not I an opinion thing. Released. He was released. He it. was cut. That's a fact. People, it, 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 this what a fan base Raider Nation is. You guys are great. You really are. Somebody called it semantics. Like, no, it's not. Exactly. He was released by correct. the Raiders. That, that's just the fact of the matter. Um, so yeah, that, that's so. To, but to your point, I would say the big difference, and maybe this is fair, or maybe it's not, is Team USA. Yes, I, I think that's, that's the, the big difference. That's yeah, and that's what I said the other day to JBT because I don't, I don't know that. Well, Von Tobel pointed out the Basketball Hall of Fame is nothing's easy to make from a Hall of Fame standpoint, but it's a little easier to make. But it's it does. But it. I, don't know I, if I that's think the, I, I think the case. You know, we'll have to look into that. We'll have to, and it's a matter of opinion. I don't know. I, I just saw all the stuff at the beginning of the week about Carmelo being a Hall of Famer, and I'm like, based on his NBA career, I think he's Hall of Good. Now, for you and I, who are big international fans, you can remember back to the times they were struggling, and he, you know, he was on the teams that were taking the hits. But we would often say he's the best player on the team from an international basketball standpoint. Yep. And then they finally bounced back and started winning gold medals, and he was consistently a top three or four player on Team USA over guys who were better players in the NBA, but he was just better for international play. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think that's that's definitely true, and that's part of why he rose uh, to this level, for sure. But I do believe, and we can close out, we got to go in the grab bag on the way back, we're, we're going to be talking a lot about coverage of the NBA because right now there's a lot of national media people and Northeast Corridor people and who are looking at a Heat Nugget final and they're like, I don't know what stories we're supposed to do. Well, it's because you haven't covered these teams. It's that whole chicken and the egg thing. Is the NBA doing the right thing by LeBron, 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 big market, big market, big market? I think the fact that Carmelo has been a topic for the last two or three days is proof that the Northeast Corridor still rules, and the fact that he played in New York, and I know I know he played in Denver, but like I never thought of Carmelo as was he ever a top five player in the NBA? And now we're talking about him being a Hall of Famer, or, or is it because of where he played? I think it's where he played a lot of it, and being a celebrity with marrying into celebrity, and Team USA, and all those all those other parts. There's a lot of there's a lot of aspects to it, and cultural culturally. Get on down here, Ellis Island, right now. We're watching in the front yard. Uh, Eastern Conference Final, Florida. Wow, this is a high-scoring game. End of the first. It just ended. A little scrum at the end of the period. Florida leads it 2-1. Home of the 999 Steak Special all day, every day. Or try the best of Las Vegas award-winning barbecued chicken and ribs cooked low and slow to perfection only at the Ellis Island Barbecue with Cofield and Company. Live at the Steve Sears Summer Tour. Stick your hand in there, Dave. And that was a good one. Ellis Island, front yard. We love being here. This is one of our favorite venues in all of Las Vegas. Steve's here hooking us up, along with not only the folks at Ellis Island, but your buddies oh, at New Tech. You know, I, I, yeah, New Tech. N-E-W-T-E-K, New Tech. They're my sponsor for Bikini Tug of War in this. Uh, they're the largest, one of the largest credit card processors in the United States. So Barry and Tom uh, Harkins, if you're listening, hey, this show was amazing. Thank you so much uh, for always supporting us. So there's your plug, my friends. And then this was fun, man. we got to do this again, right? Well, I think we're planning on doing it again, yeah. I hope, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, there's beers all over the table, so someone's yeah. going to have to take care of that at some point. Yeah. A- FCC violation for us to drink during the show, so we didn't, we didn't touch it the whole time. 
Seriously, uh, it is, or you may, just made that up? It is. It can be. Yeah, it can be. There's plenty of other stuff that can get us in trouble. Okay, I understand. <laughs> I mean, we are. Uh, I'll just I mean, say Nevada. In the annals of Lotus Broadcasting Sports Programming, the show that went off the rails the most was an attempted drunk show. Yeah. And now those guys are down at Vsin. But uh, oh, I they, remember they, that, that, that. I was that, part that. of one at the Hard Rock where one um, I don't want to say his name, Mitch it was, Moss, it was Mitch. Ne- ne- never made the show. I had to sit in the whole time. <laughs> didn't he, before the show, didn't he start playing blackjack in the pool? Uh, dice. We had dice? a floating crap table, and I thought never they were able to. The I thought they had a remote mic, and they were able to we, check we in did, with him. We did, and but we he was sleeping in, once, in the pool. But, I think. but it, he was the sleep- girls answered. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. he was sleeping in the pool. Polly and I finished the show without him. That that is correct. That's a true story. When our good friend Polly is the uh, voice of reason, the voice of reason, the, <laughs> the, the rock that carries the show. But what I like is Steve Sears always been like the quarterback there, right? I mean, it's, that's what I like. That's scary uh, too. Yeah, it's I was going to say We're quarterback. Good. Yeah, that's <laughs> maybe the beginning of the trouble. Yeah, the no, facilitator no. of fun. Today was great. J Rock, the girls, the Ellis girls. Uh, you know, Brittany Palmer. Thank you. I and mean, it, it couldn't have been better. Awesome. We're well, glad you're happy. Glad the folks at Ellis are happy. We're uh, always glad to be out here in the front yard. Come on down, check it out. If you haven't been here, I mean, it's what a venue. And it's so much different than almost everything here in Las Vegas. Right now, Eastern Conference Final is on. Later on, Power Slap 2 is on. And then tomorrow, it's a really good spot to watch VGK. Shot giveaways during uh, during the game with goals. Every time VGK scores goals. Wear any VGK jersey or T-shirt. Free beer. Free beer. Free beer. There he is, Steve's here. We'll see you.